Are you recording? Yeah, I'm ready. Sweet. All right. All right, everyone. How's it going? And welcome to another video. So today I've got a good friend of mine, Jordan, um, who I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Um, Jordan has been in the agency space for a long, long time, and he currently runs a multi, if I'm not, a multi-seven-figure agency or seven figures? Where, where are you at right now? Uh, we've, we we, we flip between single seven figures and multi-seven figures, yeah. depending on, not, on, on how ambitious we're feeling in that month. <laughs> Not a bad place to be flipping through. So in this video, um, I'm basically going to be sitting down with Jordan and asking him to explain his story. Now, I don't think Jordan needs too much of an introduction because he's always, his face has been everywhere in the agency space for quite a long time. But what I want to do today is focus specifically um, on how Jordan went from zero to 10 grand a month. Because it's easy for, for us to sit here and talk about you know our recent stories of getting to seven, more seven figures. But I think for you guys, in terms of what's going to resonate with you the most and where you'll extract the most value is going to be on that initial journey. So we're going to go down a trip on, on memory lane today with Jordan. And um, Jordan, if you don't mind you know sharing some stuff about how that will work, that would be helpful. So why don't well first of all it might be helpful for you to introduce you know yourself and who you are and what you do and everything um jordan also has a youtube channel that will be linked in the description below so you can you know check his stuff out but but take it away mate who are you basically <laughs> cool first of all man thank you um thank you for having me on your platform uh it's been a long time coming i know i've been talking about doing this for a while so i'm right nice to be doing it today so First of all, a um, little bit of a backstory. So I started my agency like four and a half, no, no, five years ago, it would have been now, just over five years. And I started off in in the first week of this whole kind of SMMA uh, movement, which was when Ty Lopez made it a bit of a thing. And uh, I was I was watching YouTube videos. I had a friend that was in the online space. He was in Amazon FBA. And he was like, Jordan, you really need to to jump into some kind of online business. I was stuck in this corporate sales world and literally mm. doing like 100 calls a day. It was brutal. Um, and I wanted out of that. I was doing okay, like financially, but I, I wanted out of that. So I, I found SMMA. And at this time, it resonated with me the most because it's a sales-driven business. Like it's just, it's all sales, it's all numbers. And that is something that had been ingrained in me from all those jobs that I had previous. Uh, and so I just made the active decision, you know what, get, get, get a pipeline of leads, fill that bubbling pool. Um, and I started reaching out to all the really typical niches that I wouldn't recommend people reaching out to now, like restaurants, dentists, gyms. And this is when it was like the big three were like a blue ocean. It was like, you reach out to a restaurant, they're like, what's a Facebook ad? And you're selling on the opportunity of a Facebook ad rather than on, and now it's all about the offer and the end result and so on. But back then it was like, you just say the word Facebook ad and it's like, oh, wow, what's this thing? I've never heard of this before. Yeah. So so that was interesting too. I got my first two clients in my first two weeks whilst working this job, woke up super early in the morning, did cold calls in the evening, bit on my lunch as well. And then I decided, you know what, I've replaced my outgoings and not just like what I was earning on a monthly basis, but just my, just the cost of living. Mm. And then I took the plunge, dove straight in and the rest was history. About three months later, I had my first 10K month. So, mm. um, but it wasn't a straight path from getting to there. Let's just say that. I think what I like is how you started with the prospecting. Because that's what people usually do last when they start an SMMA. So what was your philosophy for starting? Because most people want to get a perfect onboarding funnel and a perfect service delivery and they want all their websites done and everything. What was your mindset? Because obviously you were coming from a sales background and you mentioned there that you do believe it's mainly a sales driven business. So what was your mindset coming into the agency in terms of what you were focusing on to begin with? Yeah. So there's a few things that I, I did, I did or, or didn't do um, that, that, that were pivotal to why I, to, to how I started. And I don't recommend most people doing this, but a few of the things I do. So I'll explain. I didn't have a website when I signed my first couple of clients. 
I had no business set up. I had no a contract. I had, I didn't even know how to run Facebook ads when I signed up my first client. I did, I did not skip all of that stuff. And I was like, well, first of all, if I'm going to try and start a business in something, I need proof of concept that this is actually going to work in my area. So I'm just going to try and sell the thing. If I can't sell the thing, and I knew I was good at sales, if I can't sell the thing, then it's not a viable business option for me. So I just had a couple of meetings actually got the client. I was like, okay, shit, now I might have a business or really I'm just a freelancer. So let me get a website. Let me get a contract. So my first contract, I still got them. I could dig them up. Um, it was like your, this, it was called the library restaurant. Library restaurant is working with Jordan Platten. There was no business or anything, <laughs> you know? Um, so for my philosophy was just get the clients and prove that you actually can get the clients and worry about the rest of it later. Like I said, I didn't know how to run Facebook ads for that first client. I didn't. And thankfully, I managed to get the results month one. I watched YouTube videos. I just read articles online, just did a bit of Googling and, and I figured it out. Um, but sales is the most important thing. Like it's, it's so important to be able to get clients. I think so many people right now are so stuck with procrastinating over these minor details that don't actually fucking matter, like their website, like their email, like their signature. The things that don't matter unless you are actually prepared to do sales, sure, they help you. And I think the market's more sophisticated now and think you do need to have a website and so on. But you don't need to spend more than one day on doing all of that stuff. Like it's really prospecting and lead generation is the most important thing at the start. Yeah. I think a lot of people, it's a pain avoidance thing. Because pain avoidance takes many forms. So it looks like procrastination. But we've had clients before who are like, oh, should I use this shade of blue or this shade of blue on the back of my logo? I'm like, dude, you are just focusing on like the wrong thing entirely. Yeah. So so you went from, from zero to 10K a month in three months. Mm. Might be helpful for people to understand the workflow that went behind that. What did your day look like? Because I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't a particularly pleasant experience. Um, in terms of how much work you had to put in. But what if you go back to those days, what was it like? Do you know I like, see the pain in your face already? <laughs> <laughs> so so like it was it was gritty and it was hard, you know. But like um I, I remember being so fueled off those first couple of clients and it like I was mm. so just I was buzzing with, with with excitement as to what the potential was here so that 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 really helped a lot but i i would spend the first start of my day getting everything bad out of the way and by bad i mean cold calling like that was i was local business cold calling and that was how i got 90 percent of my clients yeah so all all local um everything i'd literally put on a pinpoint on my house and in 20 mile radius and i was i was not, not even niching down like i was I, I I say restaurants, gyms, dentists, those are the main I went for, but I had a jewelry store, like a physical jewelry store, didn't even sell online e-com. Uh, I had a kitchen and bathroom showroom um, as, a, as a bricklaying company. So like they were all different companies and I was just cold calling these guys. So I would spend my morning cold calling and I was reaching out to a minimum of 20 companies a day. That was a target I set to myself. I thought 20 is very maintainable. You can get through that in a couple of hours through cold calling. And then I would email. Uh, I didn't DM back then. And the rest of my day would be lead generation. Evenings would be kind of website and so on and so forth and all those little kind of mm. nitty gritty bits. But I would always make sure I got all of my, my calls out of the way in the morning. So, so that must have got quite messy. So you had all these clients. When, when did you actually start hiring people and building systems and stuff? Because I think that the zero to 10 grand a month, the, 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 uh, the narrative that is promoted is it's a clean, easy, like, you know, just one thing and you just move forward. But I, I sense that 
that's not the case for you. What 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 did it look, what did the business look like when you were actually making ten grand a month? Yeah, I mean, it was even worse for me because I was doing social media management as well as ads. Oh like, no! So oh, like no. Back, back, back then, there used to be this strategy that was like through organic, you could do like a giveaway competition. So you could do like the like this post, comment down below thing. And so like, yeah. let's say you sign up a restaurant, you're like, oh, we're going to give away a free meal for two on Valentine's. Like this post, comment down below, and share it with a friend. This would be like local business marketing 101. It would go viral everywhere. And then you boost that post and it went absolutely parabolic. Now you can't do that. But you'd set up a mini chat and then you'd be manually, you'd be messaging everybody on the comment. And, and it was crazy. It was awesome. So you kind of did social media management to aid ads. Like it worked really well. In, in, in ta- and and this was when you were getting 10% of the people that liked your page actually seeing your post. So like the algorithm was... Decent. Oh, yeah. The, the engagement was actually existing. It was, it, was, it, actually, it was actually there. So it made sense. But it was incredibly time consuming. So it was, it was, not, it was not more than three, four or five clients in where I got... Actually, got a guy called Ivan on Upwork in Bulgaria. I remember the dude who was doing all of my post writing and scheduling. So we would set up. It was on like um, Hootsuite or something like that. So we'd set up all the post writing and scheduling. So the management side of things was was taken away from me, and I was just doing the ads, um, which which obviously in itself is still very time consuming. But again, like these strategies I was following were very simple and primitive. Like it was we were, were driving traffic, similar to a lot, what a lot of people do now. But we used to do coupons quite a lot back then. So it'd be you'd redeem a voucher on a landing page, send it over via email, via many chat, and they'd go in, they'd actually redeem it. Um, now we do lead forms and appointment setting and so on. Uh, but I signed up multiple clients that really weren't good fits as well because I didn't really have any guidance. So didn't have the parameters to know. I didn't know. I didn't really know. I signed up a kitchen and bathroom showroom who just from day one was just an absolute nightmare. I used to have to go in now. I used to go in most of these businesses every week and do a, a photo shoot with like, um, with like my iPhone camera, I still have all the photos on my on my, on my phone. I sometimes look at them like, man, this is like, so glad that I'm past that stage. <laughs> um, but I was just there doing the grit and doing the work myself, you know. And I was addicted to the the, the, the thrill of it. So um, it it wasn't easy, but at the same time, like I just did the shit that needed to be done, you know. Mm. Yeah. What does it feel like when you hit ten grand? Do you remember that, like? Because I, I remember for, for me, like the most, the, the pivotal, most emotional moment was when I signed my first client. And then beyond that, it was when I got my first client leads. And then after that, it was the 10 grand a month. Like what, what are the sort of keystone memories you have in terms of the emotional impact of your work? Do you know, I, 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 I mean, first of all, like I was very happy and it was exciting. I wasn't as happy as I thought I was going to be because like when I hit 10K, because you hit 10K and like, and everybody's always, oh yeah, an agency is like a 90% profit margin business or whatever, which is a load of bollocks. Like, and, and so like, I wasn't actually making as much as I was, I, mean, I, I was probably still like, taking home like 7K or something like that, but you're very, very busy as well. So it's like, it's not like you've got loads and loads of time to then be enjoy, enjoying it. Uh, I, I think I treated myself to a Rolex on the second 10K month. So I was not very frugal at all. No one taught me about delayed gratification growing up. I didn't, <laughs> didn't exist in Norfolk. In Norfolk, where I grew up, you just didn't really have many very wealthy people. So being like 20, whatever, 23 years old, doing 10K a month, I was like, well, I'm the fucking man now. So I, I deserve a robot. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so I rewarded myself, but it didn't feel as, it wasn't as, um, I didn't get the satisfaction that I thought I was going to get from when mm. I was working in the full-time job, which I think most people experience. Because um, then you're on to the next. 
It's like you you all of a sudden are very comfortable with that. And it's like, okay, well, I've seen that 10K. It's kind of starts feeling like monopoly money. You're like, okay, now I've got that 10K and, and now I'm comfortable with that number in the bank. Like, what's the next thing? It's like if you have a hot girlfriend, like she's 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 always going to be attractive in your eyes, but like, but 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 people to, to an outsider, they're looking at you like, wow, man, that guy's so lucky. But you don't really feel it yourself because you're used yeah, to it. Yeah, you kind of just take it for granted like, to a degree. You've had it, you know, like after two weeks of having a supercar, you're, you're kind of done. And then you're like, okay, you're like, oh, I wonder what it would be like to have the next level up. Well, that's, I've, I've never fallen into the supercar trap because mm. I've been thinking about buying a C63 SMG. But then I know that if I buy that after six months, I want something more. And then after six months of that, I want something more. Have you gone down the supercar? I know it's slightly off topic, but have you gone down that route before? Have you found that to be a problem? Yeah. I mean, first of all, man, you should do it. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because, mm. because, um, and right, first, first of all, like, I, yeah, I, I, I've been down the supercar route. I've got a Taycan Turbo S now. It's, what, like 180K. It's electric. So maybe you can discount that on being a supercar. Like, I bet 60, that flies as well. 67 <laughs> speed of the Bugatti Veyron, like it's rapid. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's it, and and I had I had a Porsche Cayman GT4 before. I had an M4 competition before that, and and I did those. I did the M4 like first twelve months of business. So like I put myself out for it really. Um, but I and my mindset was like I want to be able to do this pre thirty. Like I, when I'm in my twenties, I want to be able to enjoy this. If I want to be a bit obnoxious, I'm going to do it. If I want to drive down mm-hmm. the road my local city and listen to that exhaust and like smash the, I want to do that. I'm going to enjoy it. Like if I want to itch that scratch. And I, I do think that you should itch the scratch if you've got it, because I, I've now kind of come to the point where I, I've got that car now. And and yes, yeah, sure, there's other cars that I would like, and I will build a collection down the line. But I'm now happy to sit pretty for a couple of years and be frugal yeah. on the car side of things, because I have got through that. And you only have it. I had it with the M4, and I was like, oh, what's next? I've got the GT4. And I was like, oh, what's next? I've got the Taycan. But now I've done it a couple of times. You very much, you very quickly realize the pattern of thought, and then you can control that pattern. And you're like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, so I absolutely do not regret doing the car thing. And I would say to anybody who wants to do that, they should do it as long as you're not going to mm. kill your business. And I know you've got a surplus, so you might as well fucking do it, man. So- yeah, it's been that's the problem is like when you can do it and you and you think like, you know, I, I try to make every decision like Sam Ovens is watching me in the corner of a room. <laughs> no, I don't I don't do that. But you get the point. It's like it's drilled into you from a lot of people that it's not a good idea. And like it's interesting you say that because a lot of the other people that I've learned from, like Sam, for example, um, they say they went through the car stage and then they regret it because it took from their business. So it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, well, what do you see? So you say that with Sam. So I sat down with Sam and he was telling me about one of his, 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 his first, not his first girlfriend, but the first serious relationship whose partner actually got him into business. And his, it was his, no, not his partner, her, her, her dad, her husband was really successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, and, and he uh, was really into cars and that got Sam into cars. And then Sam got a Ferrari four, five, eight. And so on. he had, he had multiple supercars. And, and of course now Sam has the perspective of, well, I, I, I didn't need to do the car thing, but I, you have to experience the things to actually gain that perspective yeah. yourself. I don't think you can ever, it's like when your parents say, oh, don't go out and don't do this. And when you're like, whatever, man. <laughs> you have to do, you have to make the mistakes yourself. You, you, you made yeah. the mistake yourself, but I don't see it as a mistake at all. I'm very grateful that I did that because I had so like, I've had so much fun from it and I've still got the lesson at the end of it, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, so what about the Rolex thing? Because your second 10 grand a month, you bought the Rolex thing. Did that wear off? Because I think a lot of people watching this will probably work their asses off and get to that point. Like, did you find that the Rolex after a while got boring or did you buy more stuff or like what, once you, what did you do 
as you as you as you went from like ten grand a month and sort of continued that trajectory, what what was next in terms of financial? But I hope you don't mind me asking about your financial purchases, but I'm always really of course, interested. Of so like like the watch thing again is something like I mean I I, I love the watch and it made me feel great and 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 I actually did get the satisfaction that I that I hoped I would get out of the watch. Like it was it was one yeah. of those lifelong dreams. It was kind of like. There are points in my life pre twenty. I'd be like, "Wow, if I can just have a Rolex at some point in my life, that'll be incredible." So, like, to have it at like twenty three was just was was awesome. I've, I've bought a couple more watches now. I've got I've got the root beer at the moment, and 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 I do want to build a, a collection of watches. But I think if you, I think so many people are so quick to preach to people, don't go, don't buy materialistic things, don't do this, don't spend your money. And I completely get that from from a certain perspective, but I also think there is there is value in going through that materialistic stage of stuff because now I'm very very frugal and now I I'm very careful where I spend my money. Um, but I have no regret from that. And so your financial goals move away from things and objects and stuff and move on to like impact and and your team and building an incredible life for them and just uh, and just just building a legacy. And I think. I think, and not everybody comes through the materialistic stage. And I think that's important. I, I was naturally always going to fall into that because I came from the club world when I was in uni. I had an event business. I had this ego problem. And, and so I was always going to have to fall through that. And and in the very nature of who I was, wasn't going to allow somebody else to say, be frugal, delay gratifications. I'll be like, shut up. You don't know what you're yeah. doing. So, so, so the, the nature of who I was meant I had to go through that to be who I am now. And I don't believe that to be the case with everybody. But I think that it is with many people who have that little chip on their shoulder because they've seen one too many people with nice cars, and nice watches on Instagram, you know, and they're like, that should be me. And then it is. Yeah. There, and then they realize it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's a good point. If you sit on the perch, then you realize, oh, the view from here ain't actually that great after a while. But that's a good point. What? So you, you were doing the sales job before you started the agency. Mm. What What was the, the pivotal moment? What was the thing? that happened to you that led to you starting SMMA? Was it, because for me, it was a Ty Lopez ad. I remember it very distinctly. What was it for you? Um, so for me, the, the, the actual trigger was I just came back from a holiday. And mm-hmm. I remember the partner I was with at the time, we, she said to me at the end of the holiday, she was like, oh, back to reality. That, and, I, and for me, like, you know, that term, oh, let's go oh, I'm back to reality tomorrow. And it was like, I've said that thing myself so many times, but it, it really triggered me at that moment. I was like, that is a really fucked up term when you think about it, like back to reality. Like when you're on holiday and you go home and you're going back to a reality, which is negative, then, mm. then there's, there's something within your reality that you need to completely change. And so I was like, well, what is that thing within myself? I was earning decent money. I, I had a good sales job, as I said, and I was getting a good commission. But it was the time freedom thing for me, um, uh, of which which is ironic because I I don't I didn't really maintain that or keep that for very long. I had it very quickly at the start and was telling everyone else it was until I started scaling up. And then that's history. But you don't care anymore because you fall in love with the game. But yeah regardless it was this time freedom thing for me and i was look i came home and i was looking at all these people in the office and all these people were a lot older than me and they were talking about their holidays on off the back of me coming back from mine and it just felt really miserable and it just felt like a very strange existence where kind of everybody was saving for one holiday a year which was over before it even started and then 350 days of the year or whatever are just spent living this monotonous cycle of shit you don't actually want to be doing. And that for me was the trigger. Uh, I did see all the Ty Lopez ads and all of that, but I thought it was bullshit. And it was only because I had this friend who had an Amazon FBA business that it made it realistic for me. And it was almost like that kind of like hypothetical hand to say, come join me in this online yeah. world, you know? I think that's the thing, like it's a paradigm shift, but 
when you look at people selling like courses online, for example, if you're a normal civilian, right, call them civilians, you don't, you just look at it, you don't believe it because it's an ad. When someone in your world who you trust, who you know, is actually living in a completely different facet of reality and you can see it and you're like, what is going on? That's the thing. Because if you didn't have the friend, then you might have just been constantly living in that, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. Probably not, to be fair. You probably would have found a way out, but it might have taken a little bit longer. I think you find a way, but I don't think you're like, I don't think until you're actually exposed in the space, like when your algorithm actually shifts into online business, like that is just it. That is, it is your entire existence. And then and all of a sudden, all these opportunities to come out of nowhere. Like I always was the guy to preach to my friends and say, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to achieve X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to make the next Uber and Airbnb. But that's what I thought it had to be. I always thought that business was the next big thing. It's the big idea. It's the trigger. But actually, like I didn't realize that, and I don't know why, because you don't put two and two together restaurants down your road they start every single week and new gyms open up and all these business models have been around for years yeah. and years but i never actually knew that was the case when it came to online business and how low the barrier to entry actually was until i was exposed in it you know yeah i hear you i think it's easy to look at well it's mainly because most of our entrepreneurial role models are people who start these massive companies because they're the they're the exception mm-hmm. all the attention gravitates to them because they're so shiny but you don't look at like you know the online business world but um, mate, we should probably wrap it up because I mean we've been running for I think 15, 20 minutes on on this one. Um, I want to ask you this one one last question. If you could go back to Jordan, you know, four or five years ago, what advice would you give him? Now knowing what you know now specifically about business, I know that's a pretty dirty question to ask because it throws you into this massive complex, but. Four or five years ago. So four or five years ago, I was just starting out. So like, what would I say to myself to get to closer to where I am now? And yeah. so it's 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 really. I would say that invest number one, invest in more education a, a lot sooner. So so I I was I very much had the do it yourself attitude, and I did for for years in my business. It was it's you against the world, Jordan, and ain't nobody going to tell you otherwise. And so you go yeah. and 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 fortunately, I managed to do well based on my previous experience. I believe that I would I would have been where I am today, if not a lot further ahead. I dread to think where I'd be if I was open to listening to people's advice and actually paying for people's advice a lot sooner. Mm. So I think that's a really big one. Um, second thing is investing in scaling the team a lot sooner. This is something I admire about yourself and something I've seen from from your growth. And one of the reasons I reached out to you is 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 how. Um, how heavily you invest in your team and how heavily you've invested in the people around you and making sure that from day one, you're investing in all your solutions, systems and solutions. Yeah. Myself, when I first started the agency, I wanted to keep all the money I could. I wanted to hold as much as I could. So when I was outsourcing, I was outsourcing for the smallest rate possible. I was trying to get, yeah. you know, and so, and but now when I'm in, in building a big company and we have we have the agency, we have the academy and we've got, we've got 20 plus team members across both businesses and, and in, in both of those businesses, we hire A players and I value A players whereas previous it was just like how can i keep as much profit as possible i don't care about that anymore because i know the people are the secret to the actual exponential growth within the business so i think that's the other thing as well investing in people a lot sooner but investing in good people Mm. we'll wrap it up mate that's bloody useful i'm sure people have found lots of little golden nuggets and stuff like that so mate thank you so much for hopping on i am eternally grateful and no doubt we'll do this again at some point in the future no worries man let's catch up soon brother see you later guys